the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Six to five, Detroit wins as the Royals fall to 80 and 51. Five and a half games up on Toronto for home field throughout the AL playoffs. And Detroit improves to 61 and 70 with this victory tonight at Kauffman Stadium. As it's Davo, glad you are along with us as always for your dish on Clubhouse Conversation where we have a lot to discuss tonight. A pretty jam-packed edition with Johnny Cueto's struggles for three consecutive starts. We'll get into that. How concerned should you be? What are our thoughts on that? We'll get to that. We'll talk about Alex Gordon's return, the big league debut of Miguel Almonte, uh, Johnny Gomes being added to the roster, and a breakdown of the next two games against Detroit as well. But let's begin with our customary player of the game tonight, and it's Alex Gordon. In his return to the big leagues nearly eight weeks to the day since that severe groin strain happened at Kauffman Stadium on a very similar play to what we also saw in the fourth inning tonight. More on that here in a second. But Gordo was two for three tonight with a run scored and an RBI, including his 14th double of the year. Looked good at the plate. Looked pretty good defensively, although there was, like I said, the one play in the fourth that glared of Alex either A, letting up a little bit in the play, which is the most likely scenario that the Royals told him coming in, hey, look, Alex, you know, you injure yourself again, you're done for the year. You know, we're going to bring you back up, but please be careful these first couple of weeks. Get your bearings underneath you. Don't overdo it. It's September, early September at that. These games are definitely more important than spring training games, but in a way, it's kind of your spring training again. Come out here, you know, play seven, eight innings a night, play two out of three, three out of four nights for the first couple of weeks. We'll get you back into shape. Just don't get yourself hurt. It looked kind of like that. That's the A scenario there in that fourth inning. In case you missed it, Tyler Collins hits what goes down as a double over Gordon's head as Gordon went back on a play that he didn't really even reach up and extend and attempt to make the the catch on. He makes that play if he's healthy. Or probably tonight if he goes 100%. I think probably what happened was he was going 90% on defense, as told by the Royals. The other possibility, of course, the B scenario, is that maybe Alex, on a similar play, had a mental hurdle, which I doubt. Knowing as mentally tough as he is, as prepared as he is, as hard as he plays, I highly doubt that Alex has a mental hurdle. Maybe he does. Maybe it's just one of those things where, you know, guys say, you know, I'm 100% uh, you know, recovered from Tommy John surgery or if you're a football player, receiver, the ACL or a basketball player, the ACL. But until I go out there and jump and do it or make that same play, that's the hurdle I've got to get over. So there's a chance that maybe Alex on that play off the bat of Collins, maybe it's a mental hurdle. Most likely, though, Alex is playing smart as instructed by the Royals and not attempting to go balls to the wall, pardon my French, in his first game back and his fourth inning back at the Major League level. Now, now, Collins eventually comes around to score there, obviously. But I'm okay with Alex. If that is a scenario and the Royals holding that, bravo. Please don't get hurt. We need you going forward, especially... Oh, we also forgot to talk about at the top the chicken pox news. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about tonight. Gomes, chicken pox, Gordon, Cueto, uh, Almonte, on and on and on. So the chicken pox scare, you find out before the game that Kelvin Herrera and Alex Rios are unavailable for approximately 10 to 17 days. Hopefully nobody else knock on wood acquired that virus. We should know in the next three to four days. But so, you know, the Royals went on and got Johnny Gomes for that reason, which was a very good signing as he obviously completely mashes left-handed pitching. So a guy who at this point, the Royals have such a nice team. 
you're just looking at any small thing you can do to improve that bench, to give yourself a chance to maybe get that extra one in the playoffs. Because as, as we all know, the margin for error in the playoffs is so razor thin. And Gomes kind of a similar one to Josh Willingham, who came over late last year as well. Of course, the Royals gave up a higher-end prospect in Jason Adam to acquire Willingham. Luis Valenzuela, shortstop down at Lexington's had a real nice summer, but probably not the ceiling. I mean, definitely not the, not the ceiling of a Jason Adam, for example, who has had arm issues this whole season, is not throwing this entire year, but we'll be back strong. We checked in with him the other day. We'll be back strong for the Twins heading into next year. We wish Jason the best. But back on track with here, you know, you can't afford Alex going down. My point being with the chicken pox, you don't have Rios. Who knows how effective Rios will be? I mean, he'll almost need a five to seven games to get his timing back after being out 14 days. Will his strength be the same? I don't know. Is he allowed to see live pitching if he's kind of – quarantined, you know, away from the rest of the team? I don't know. Will he be ready for the playoffs? I don't know. You'd think so. You'd hope so. But the point being, it's a good thing that Gomes is here, and it's a good thing that Alex is playing smart out there per the Royals because you don't have a whole lot of quality depth. You've got guys that you can put out there, but not guys you feel comfortable with in the playoffs. So that's my long rant. Not rant, but long explanation of thoughts on Alex Gordon and Johnny Gomes and the chicken pox. I mean, how bizarre is that? Chicken pox? But what? Uh, bring it on at this point. You know, this team's gone through shenanigans with brawls early in the year, the us-against-the-world mentality with Oakland and Chicago. They've seen Alex Gordon go down with the injury. They lost Jason Vargas to Tommy John before the year. Tim Collins, who could have been a key contributor to this bullpen, to Tommy John. Brian Flynn, we thought, might be a, a key piece after coming over for Aaron Crow. You've had suspensions. You've had moose family emergencies. On and on and on. But this team continues to respond and show their depth as good teams do. So it's pretty impressive that the Royals do this. Now, so that first play I talked about in the fourth inning, Collins comes around and scores. That's an earned run for Cueto. And all four of the runs he allowed tonight were earned. So that that's one play that obviously on a normal night, if Alex is 100% or going 100%, the, the play's made. Alex makes that play in his sleep. So that's one run. Uh, my point in talking about this is that Johnny Cueto, I think he's uh, maybe being freaked out upon by the average Royals fan way too much. People are looking way into, you know, way too much into his last three outings. And we'll give you some numbers here in a second. Just, just how bad the last three have been, the four before that. We'll go over his career numbers. We'll go over all that. Trust me. We got, I got a, a plenty of stuff to talk about with Cueto here. But my point being, tonight wasn't near as bad as the last two outings. You take out that Gordon play, that's six innings, three runs, perhaps longer. Maybe Cueto goes deeper into this game, finishes with 100 pitches even in six innings. And even going back to that first inning, you have the error, the two-base throwing error on Elcides Escobar. You know, putting the runner at third, but nobody outs. And to me, that changes the whole, the whole complex of that inning. First of all, that run probably doesn't come around to score from first base. Now, with that said, there was another defensive play that was made behind Cueto. I will acknowledge that. In that first inning, Gerard Dyson did gun down Miguel Cabrera, who for some reason decided to try to go first to third. So the Royals did get a run back from Detroit. Sorry, not now. Well, yeah, maybe a run. They did get an out back from Detroit thanks to their defense. So let's let's note that. While we're, while we're saying there were two plays that weren't made behind Cueto, let's also note that they did make a play with Dyson gunning out Cabrera at third. But that said, though, I just feel like I'm one of those guys, I'm not one of those guys who looks at something and says, oh, well, 
if he wouldn't have been thrown out going to third, the next hitter would have hit a sack fly and gotten him in, and the next hitter, the home run, would have been worth another run, blah, 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 blah. It's a domino effect. Everything changes. Every single pitch sequences change depending on the hitter, depending who's on base, depending on the situation. So it's tough to say this still would have happened if that wouldn't have happened, blah, 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 blah. My point being, maybe Cueto's trying a little bit too hard and, and things fall apart on him early. He, you know, he two horrible outings in a row for Cueto. Six runs, back-to-back outings, no doubt. First time in his career that it happened. He's trying to impress his new team. He's trying to earn that contract. You know, so a lot of pressure on Johnny Cueto, a, a, a fierce competitor. So my point being, maybe he comes out hoping to throw a shutout or a one-run game tonight. And all of a sudden, you've got a runner at third, the very first header of the game. And because we saw Cueto kind of calm down in the fifth and sixth inning. But he got kind of rattled early. And I know he's a veteran. I know he shouldn't be getting rattled. I'm, I'm aware of that. So maybe maybe my argument's a bit weak on this. But I just felt like you put a runner at third with nobody out in the first inning, the very first hitter, and he's like, here we go again. Gives up that run. You know, frustration sets in. He's like, here we go again. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's rushing a bit. Maybe as, as far as the tempo wasn't rushed. But as far as maybe, uh, you know, his motion, his mechanics. I'm just saying I'm a firm believer that the previous action changes the next action. And, and so things could have snowballed on Quaida tonight. My point being in the grand scheme are two things. Things could have snowballed. And number two, the defense wasn't exactly his best friend tonight. Number three, let's look at the stats here now. So tonight, six innings, four runs on nine hits. They were all earned. Two Ks, no walks. Probably deserve better fate, obviously. But his last three starts, let's look at those numbers. 0-3 with an 8.47 for Cueto. Not good. 0-3 with an 8.47. But let's also note two other things. If you're going to be there and knee-jerk over those three outings, first of all, tonight was not an awful start. So stop it. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's so bad tonight. He's not an ace. This is how a number five starter. Okay, a number five starter. All right, whatever. His first four starts. Let's acknowledge his first four Royal starts then, too, when he had a 1.80. If you want to talk about his 8.47, the last three, let's talk about the 1.80, his first four. And then let's just look at his numbers from 2011 and on. How about 156 innings in 2011 with a 231? How about 19 and 9 with a 278 in 2012 with 217 innings? How about 282 in 2013 and 60 and two thirds? It was injured that year. And how about last year, 20 and 9 in 243 and two thirds with a 2.25? I am not concerned about Johnny Cueto, nor should you be. Velocity's fine. Sack consistently in 92, 93, hit 94. Yeah, he's missing the glove from Salvi, but there's just so many factors going into this that make me not worry about it. The new team trying to impress, coming off some struggles, working through some things, some bad luck, some defense maybe not being the best. I mean, on and on and on. And am I making excuses? Yeah, maybe I am. Maybe I am making excuses, and I, and I do believe that that's a losing mentality. I'm just pointing out, I'm playing a little devil advocate because I feel like people are being way too negative with Cueto. Not overly concerned. I don't think there's much to be concerned about there. I think he'll be just fine. Now, when should we be concerned? I got a couple tweets on that. When? If this continues for two more starts, just because then you're nearing October. I'm going to look at five, six, seven years of data over three starts, or really two starts, because I didn't think tonight was that bad. So when will I be concerned when the clock hits, when the, you know, when, when the calendar hits September 15th and he's still struggling and we're down to three or four stretches before the playoffs? Then I'll be concerned. Right now I'm not. 
My concern level on a 0 to 10 scale, with 10 being the highest, is probably a 2.5. Next start, if it happens again, a 4. After that happens again, maybe it goes up to a 7. Because then maybe at that point you think about dead arm or, or other stuff. But we're not even going to talk about that right now because I don't think that's an issue. So moving on to the next topic, Miguel Almonte comes in in the seventh inning. Kind of an, maybe an odd place to put him in. Just down two in this game. But then again, you know, the Royals' bullpen is shot. You've got no Kelvin Herrera as we mentioned earlier with chicken pox. Ryan Madsen is still with an extreme dead arm, so he can't pitch. You're not going to pitch Davis or Holland there. You've been throwing Morales into the ground. So, I mean, then again, you know, it makes sense, I guess. Maybe you could you could say, why didn't they bring in Chris Young there, possibly? Or, you know, Guthrie came in and threw two nice endings. But overall, it was a little bit interesting to me that they threw Almonte there until I stopped and thought, well, there's not really a whole bunch of options right now. With no Herrera, no Madsen, You've used Morales so much, it's too early, and you're losing, so you're not going to pitch Davis or Holland. So I guess you I mean, you have to start using other guys in that bullpen. You could have used Hoach there, I suppose, as well. Just kind of interesting. I'm not going to call it a mistake to use Almonte, although the Royals did come back and score some runs. But again, who says the Royals would have scored those runs? You know, maybe Detroit pitches different guys. Who says the Royals, you know, get those runs? They, they probably don't leave Blaine Hardy in as long later on. I mean, on and on. So you can't just say that had Almonte not pitched, the Royals would have won. It's not that simple. Almonte, though, talking about his outing in particular, two runs in that one inning, the bomb from the bat of Ian Kinsler in that seventh inning, two hits and a walk overall for Almonte. You know, I loved his stuff. I have since I've seen him in the minor leagues. Seen him throw twice in person in the minor leagues. Love his stuff. Tremendous upside. And his poise and confidence is what really, he was so calm. He comes out, throws the ball right down the middle, gives up a base hit in his very first major league hitter. Gives up a two-run bomb to Kinsler. Whatever. Chewing the gun. Give me the ball back. It's cool. Throws a strike next pitch. I'll attack. Whatever. I'm calm. I know I'm up here. The game's moving a little faster. I'm sure Almonte knows he's not quite ready yet. I'm sure he knows that he needs another season in the minor leagues, probably. Probably won't begin next year with Casey. On and on. He just looked like he was confident. Give me the ball. See what I can do. Thanks for the opportunity. I like that from him. And I like Jeremy Guthrie's two perfect innings with a strikeout as well. Nice job for Guts, who threw the ball extremely well in his last relief outing as well. Four innings, two runs in that one, including the bomb to to Mr. Flaherty, who also took Herrera deep the next day. But overall, Jeremy threw the ball well in that one, threw the ball well again tonight. So nice to see him having some success out of the bullpen. One last thing about tonight, Kendrys Morales, his 16th jack of the year, and three hits for Salvi. So nice for those two. Okay, now let's get to the next two games here as we wrap up. 39-year-old lefty Randy Wolf takes the hill for Detroit tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't even know he was still I mean, even semi-in baseball. I mean, Randy Wolf won 16 games back in 03 for Philly. And he wasn't exactly a young pitcher at that time. A guy that Ryan Matson obviously knows well, the lefty. So Randy Wolf has pitched well in his two outings. He's 0-2, but we know records don't tell much for pitchers. Has a 2-5-7. Now, he's been good for Detroit. Seven innings, three runs against the Rangers. Seven innings, one run against the Angels in his last outing. His mound opponent is Jordano Ventura, who's 9-7 and seven with a 4-4-1. Ventura has been nails since August began. 4-0 with a 3-4-1 is what Jordano finishes August with. How about 37 Ks and 37 innings for Jordano? Coming off 11 Ks in six innings of scoreless ball against Baltimore. Has been hit hard by Detroit this year, though. 5-2-9 and three stars. Should be a good matchup. I love the Royals tomorrow night. You're going to use your A relievers. They're all available outside of Herrera. So you've got your A and Madsen. You've got your Hochaver, your Davis, your Morales, your Holland to go along with Ventura. Royals are a much better team than Detroit. 
surely Randy Wolf, after two good outings and seven innings and both outings, is due to get hit, right? I believe we'll see the Royals' debut of Johnny Gomes tomorrow, and he'll also play, I would assume, uh, in the finale on Thursday because you have another lefty, Matt Boyd, faces the Royals, and we know Gomes matches lefties. Boyd, 1-3 and three with a 5-4-0 against Edinson Volquez, 12-7 and seven with a 3-2-7. Now, the Royals, you might remember, have seen Boyd twice. The first time, we were completely stymied by him. Very frustrating because the previous outing, he'd gotten like one out and given up nine runs or something like that against Toronto. But Boyd comes in off of seven innings of one-run ball the first time against the Royals, August 3rd. Five days later, August 8th, the Royals got him for three runs in five and a third. He's been okay since then. His last outing against Toronto again, six innings, five runs. Royals should hit Boyd again on Thursday. Volquez going, I like him again to win Thursday. Volquez 0-2 with a 4-8-5 against Detroit, both outings at home this year, so hopefully third time is the charm in this one. He comes off of a one-earned run, six and two-thirds performance at Tampa Bay. So I like the Royals to win the next two in summary as we preview those games. Well, thanks you know, so much for listening to this action-packed edition of your dish. Please tell a friend about us. It really means a lot. Clubhouseconversation.com. You can subscribe on iTunes. Hit us up on Facebook, Clubhouse Conversation, and at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter. And on top of that, I want to also pimp our interview that we had today, uh, tonight actually, with Brandon Downs. That's why this dish is a bit later than normal. I spoke with Brandon Downs right after this Royals game tonight. Called him out in West Virginia. Uh, very good kid, very good interview, and, and a, really a pretty good prospect. I've got a good feeling about Downs the next couple of years going forward. Check out that 20-minute interview when you get a chance, hopefully right now. If you're listening to this, switch over to that, download it, take it with you, or stream it through the site. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow night. Go Royals!